welcome to our second episode of the WCK podcast. Today with me, I have Joe, Lee, and Jason. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about character creation. Everybody, why don't you go ahead and say hi? Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, so character creation specifically as it applies to Dungeons and Dragons characters. There are many different ways to create a character. Some decisions rest with your DM, like the method for determining stats, source books you're allowed to use, and things like additional starting money or equipment you could be uh, using to bring to the start of the game or maybe purchase additional things before you start. Um, there might be race restrictions, class restrictions based upon the world that you and your party will be adventuring in. But building a character for yourself, be it a one shot or a campaign, is something that sometimes can be a little bit tricky. Uh, each of us has our own unique approach to building our characters, whether you like to use pencil and paper or something online like D&D Beyond, Roll20, something else. Sometimes just getting started can be a little daunting. So for today's episode, we're going to take you through some of the basics of character creation. Uh, all right. So first, each of you, I guess we'll start left to right. Uh, Jason, what's the first step that you take when creating a character? How does it initially kind of generate for you? Well, it's a little different between one-shots and campaigns, um, but I'll talk mostly on campaign because that's when you're really getting into the nitty-gritty of the character creation. And I like to speak with the DM to get a feel of the world first. I don't want to make a character that is completely like outside of the world that they are building and the story that they want to tell. Um, so I get some base ground, some uh, factions or figures and then my next step is to see what other players are playing um <clears throat> i often like to have some kind of relationship with another player's character typically in the games mm -hmm. that i play it makes me feel like there's already a connection there and a history and because i'm big on the role play situations I, I like to have that connection with other people's characters as well and starting the campaign off in that uh, frame of mind really helps me put together a character using that external information so I can really fit in and immerse myself into that world. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I've had the pleasure of playing somebody who's connected to you. Uh, and it is really fun to have something because it, it makes the stakes higher instead of you're just playing with a random group of people. If I'm playing with you as my brother, I'm going to function completely different than I'm playing with you as a random person that I met that I might have a relationship with, right? But it's going to obviously have different layers. And I mean, maybe I hate you. I, I don't. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I hate you as my brother and I put you in harm's way. But it, it at least gives a lot uh, more substance to role play with. What about you, Jill? Uh, honestly, the first thing I do is panic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, as Jason says, uh, there's the concern about you know making sure that your role fits in, asking the other characters, the other players, um, what they're playing, checking with the DM, you know, uh, what's going to fit in with the world and what's what's uh, going to work best. But honestly, I panic because I worry that um, I'm not going to have access to the race that I really want. And I'm going to think of an idea and then not be able to use it. Or I panic because 
I really want to play a bard this time. There's already two bards on the team, and uh, we're going to be useless as a a party. Yeah. Um, And I'm a people pleaser, so I often wait Mm -hmm. until, if I'm playing with a group, I wait until the last minute, wait until everyone else has theirs, and then decide, okay, this this is what I'll do. I'll fit fit the gap and hope that it's okay. Is that why why you currently don't have any ideas for the campaign that we're... (laughs) That I keep trying to do the same exact thing for. <laughs> oh no, I've let away my secret. Yeah, that's almost mm-hmm. exactly why. All right, yeah. I'm on to you now. All right. Um, <laughs> and then, Lee, um, besides just coming to the table saying, I'm going to play a warlock, what oh, do you... <laughs> there's nothing wrong with... Let's just make that clear. There is nope. nothing wrong, no shame in playing the best class in the game, warlock. So I, mm-hmm. that's, that's on record now. It's for different programs. Um, what is the first yeah, step that you I, take? I like to... I like to sort of have a, a unique event or a, some sort of catalyst as to how this character's come about or how they have fit into this world. Um, usually for a warlock, he's, he's uh, done some <laughs> stupid deal and uh, he's been put with it. But it, for me, I need it to make sense as to why he's been put in this situation. So I'll go off that. I'll, if, if it's like... Um, like the one we had before we played for you, Jason, where um, there's like the races of gnomes had been enslaved and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's really interesting to go off. I can do something with that. I'll play a gnome who is, instead of supporting the evil, he's gone against that and he wants to prove that not all gnomes are the same. Like, we can be good. So I thought, yeah, that's interesting. Put that in and go with that. But that's that's initially how I go, is I work with what the event is first, and then I'll more or less go for what class and race fits that then. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Character creation is always a challenge for me because I go about it a million different ways. And I'll have an idea in my head, and then I start to search for artwork that might fit the visual that I have in my brain. And then I might see different artwork that kind of leads me down a different path because I saw a story in something that I was looking at. And so my brain starts to snowball that idea. Um, but really, it, it completely depends upon the day, the, the situation, who I'm playing with. That affects me a lot as well. Um, and I always kind of try to work against myself too. I try and figure out what Kristen's strengths and weaknesses are and try, it doesn't always work, <laughs> but I try to make a character that kind of reigns me in. So I have to explore different avenues of who I am. Um, but I think, uh, for the next part, I'm just going to ask a question and we can go, um, you know, as you feel inspired to talk. So me specifically, like I said, sometimes I, I look online for pictures and find a story within a picture. What do you guys draw inspiration from when you're making a character? Loads of stuff. Um, other players that I've played with, um, either I'll see something about their character and then I'll go well, wouldn't it be cool if I played a family member of theirs, but in a different place Mm, or something like that? Um, Music as well, that's really a a good one because when you listen to it, you can sort of build a story yourself and put it to it and then go, oh, wouldn't that be a good idea for a character if I could put them in a setting? Um, Yeah, pictures are also a a great one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do do any of you on that topic, do any of you feel the pressure to be original? Because I draw inspiration from sometimes from other D&D podcasts that I listen to or gameplays and things 
And then uh, last night, talking of that game that you mentioned, Kristen, I'm trying to think of my mm-hmm. character. And I was stood in the washing up and I was going through ideas in my head. And I was like, oh, this would be really cool. That would be really cool. And then I double back to myself and was like, oh, but those are just characters that I've listened to in another podcast. Yeah. yeah. And they're ones that I really liked and would like to play. But I then get in my own head about, well, I, I can't just copy someone else's idea. That C- of course you can. Uh, because yeah, I don't yeah. think um, two characters could ever be the same. Like right? two people could have the exact same character, same, like identical. You could hand them to two people and they will go about and develop them totally different. I'm almost right. certain most people. Yeah, that's a good the, the party around you, who you are, right? It's just a it's just a jumping point. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. I get that because at the beginning I was like, I want to be so original, I want to do something different because these have all been done before. And then over time, because I've been playing for so long now, I'm like, they they are popular types of characters because they are fun and good to play. And I don't want to take that yeah. away from myself anymore. Because the people yeah. like playing these stereotypical classes and races and, and situations with backstories because of how much they can impact the game going forward and the customization. You can make it your own as you play through the scenarios that your DM gives you, uh, especially coming from the DM side. There's so many NPCs that you have to create. Sometimes you have to pull from those already established storylines and characters so it becomes less important to be uh, original from the core and build out from that unoriginality at the beginning and make it your own eventually down the line for sure i mean i hmm, my very first character i do a little bit what lee does i i link a lot of my characters so my very first character is the adoptive mother of my second character who is like my my boo child cora um but i i thought that i was being creative and so my first character was a gnome and she was a forest gnome she's a teeny tiny gnome and she adopted this furbolg that she found in a village that was burned down and this child was literally on fire at the bottom of her feet in the swaddling that she was wrapped in and um you know she hunches over a lot so she never really shows her true height because she's used to ducking and and walking around with this gnome and i said it to somebody they're like oh you like an elf and i was like Oh, I thought it was being original and creative. <laughs> and then the more I was talking about this character, the more people like brought up other comparisons. And I was like, oh, I, th- I think you'll always have a Simpsons did it kind of moment, yeah. no matter where you go, because there's so many people in the world. There are only so many permutations of characters that you can create. And really, the originality has to stem from you and who you are as a person. So I did originally, you know, after people said that to me, I'm like, oh. I did do this tr- and it was accidental, right? But then you just realize, well, she is she is absolutely not Will Ferrell's character in Elf. She is <laughs> somebody completely different from that. Um, and so there are little bits that might remind you of it, but then you bring yourself to it and it kind of evens out that way. Um, yeah. I, feel, I mean, maybe we might come on to this, this sort of topic later on, but I feel like we... We did a Christmas one shot um, last last Christmas, mm-hmm. and that was amazing for that because we all created characters for each other. Yeah. Uh, so you, you that took you out of that like worrying about what you've done before and what what other people might think of your character because I, I made you play a silly little elf thing. So who cares? It's not my problem. <laughs> I loved him. <laughs> really, it was great. right? I I 
personally, I love doing that. And this is kind of a little on off topic, but I love having other people either give me ideas on what they think that they would like me see people who have played with me for a bit, right? They've seen the the tropes that I've fallen into, whatever. And I will have people give me suggestions or even go so far as build me a character. And then I play off that because it takes me out of my brain and what I would typically go towards. And it also is really interesting to see what these people who have been with me and had shared experiences with me think that I would either be good at or would be challenging for me to try and role play with. Um, I, I really love that idea. Another um, really fun, I don't know how to, thing that I kind of fell into was I was indecisive. I know. I was indecisive about a character and I literally rolled her from start to finish every single thing. Um, and I'm not even... <laughs> I'm not even talking about when I forced Jason to do the same thing for me, but um, it's my tabaxi necromancer winter and uh, everything. She's a delight. <laughs> She's very much delight. Um, but she, she is really, really a very layered and complex character. And she, I would have never created her on my own. Um, and I love that I was forced to look at something that I would have never looked at before. Um, but I think circling back to the comparison with Elf, right? Sometimes we build a character to reflect an already established character like that, which I didn't do, but sometimes we do. For one shots, I do it. And I know Jason does it too. So building a bit a character based off of something you've seen in a video game, on TV, in a movie, maybe even your boss who you either love or you hate, but but some some real already established personality that you've experienced um how do you go about doing that yeah so i've i've got one called william and the pick and play games that we play often who is very much based off an old boss of mine and um, purely in the way he talks and the way he interacts with people and he's he's he had this um, front demeanor of trying to be independent and better than everybody but actually rarely cares in the background when you get onto a one-on-one -on -one basis with him and that's who that character is based off so taking those references from the real, real world has definitely impacted my character creation in the past and I assume it's the same for, for you guys in, in certain respects yeah yeah I think I when I first started I felt this compulsion to try and create a character that not only I could somehow associate with, but also that it um, was a, a parody of itself. You mm. know, that, that idea of it being like a bard without any real charisma or, or, uh, mm -hmm. or you know, uh, courage and, and so on, or a, a teeny tiny little uh, barbarian or some like that, that dichotomy, that, that contradiction of, of being, I felt a lot of pressure that that would be more fun. And I'm, um, at the point now where I realise that's completely unnecessary, and actually, I'm most likely for our next campaign to create a character that's he he is exactly he or she is going to be exactly what they are built to be. They are going to be you know if I make a fighter, they're going to epitomise a fighter, and if they're going to be a barbarian, they're going to be full of rage. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't actually I've been playing D and D for every year, and I've never done that. Mm. I've never just been like so. My inspiration this time round is going to be find a class and try and make a character that suits the class rather than the other way around. That's interesting. Um, and I think that brings up a really interesting topic too, when creating a character, uh, 
sometimes we want to be the most optimized, right? Min-maxing the heck out of your character. I want to be the best, the best, the best, the best. I don't want to ever roll poorly. So I've got a plus 47 in my everything, right? But sometimes the flaws that are just kind of built in, whether it was poor dice rolls, if you rolled for your stats, point by sometimes, I mean, that happens too. You can't have perfect everything. Um, and then you find a way to incorporate that. It can be really fun too. So let's talk about that for a minute. Stats um, optimized are flawed. How do you guys feel about that in your character play? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I'm always one for optimized. I, and the reason being, um, I feel like if I did, I don't like to be flawed uh, in the sense that I feel like I'd be a burden for the rest of the team. I know that's never like the case. Anybody I've played with wouldn't feel like that, but it's just something in me where I feel like if I'm flawed, like I'll be more like of dead weight rather than actually contributing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, flawed flawed characters can be fun. I, I there's, love there's nothing wrong flawed with characters. I and think they're they're my favorite. I I'd rather have a flawed character than a a perfect at everything character every day of the week. Because it creates so much more opportunity for creativity when you have those flaws. And there's certain skills. Yeah, if you're a rogue, there's certain skills that you want to be good at. You want to be able to pick locks and stuff. And Right, you um, don't want to dump anything that would give you a really crappy sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah, but if, if I play a rogue that's got like the worst intelligence, like he's fantastic at doing what he does in terms of picking locks. But when it comes to street smarts, or political knowledge, like having that wisdom or intelligence, like it's just completely dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates that character and makes it a little bit more unique to you and how you play those scenarios when it does go wrong. Because if you succeed in that everything, the story's so linear yeah. that it's what's just going to write a book. You're just going to write a success book. At that point, you're not creating a flawed character with um, different layers and dimensions to them that you can explore when those failed situations arise yeah yeah i think it forces creativity too right like you said you have to Mm. think outside of the box if i have somebody who is good at this but is really poor at this i've got to figure out a ways for me to work around it but b i think there's a really nice element of being able to bring in the rest of your party too at that point right it it helps create connection with the rest of your party oh we know that he's kind of an idiot so so we've got to take him by the hand and lead him over here because he doesn't yeah. know not to touch fire. Um. <laughs> I feel like that's good in a way because if you have those flaws, your party are designed potentially to pick up on those flaws. Yeah, yeah. So you're not you always, always because if to you, fill the gap. Yeah, if you're the best at everything and yeah. one character is doing all of the work, go and play a solo campaign. Yeah. You, you want yeah. those flaws to yeah, include I'm, your other characters. De- definitely not a fan of just being like flat out good at everything. That, like you said, it is no fun. That, um, yeah. But yeah, you you've got to have something that you're you're not good at. Otherwise, like you said, it's it's not fun for everybody. Right. I think I yeah. Go on, Joe. Oh, sorry. I I, oh, I think I accidentally stumbled upon the the ideal way to to work my way through that because I. When I joined a, a one shot, it was almost um, it was almost too quick for me to think. I did, like I think you'd invited to me. It invited me to it the night before it happened, and I'd never used D and D Beyond before, and I didn't really have time to communicate. So I created a character as best I could using whatever knowledge I can find and ask people in that twenty four hour 
period, which meant I accidentally created a fairly imbalanced, mm-hmm. flawed character. Um, and it worked really well because the RP, the people that were around me, the characters that played with me all sort of supported my flaws. And I was being helped through the process. And it made me realize immediately that, oh, I don't actually need it. It is if you want to be really, really good at something, your stat matters. But if you want to just play and have fun, it doesn't really matter what your stats will be. You'll still have mm. fun. You'll still be okay. Um, and that helped me then with all of my character creations. If I was trying something new, I didn't necessarily have to worry about... I, for, to be perfectly honest, I don't know how to make a non-flawed, like a perfect character. Like You talk about <laughs> being a character that's good at everything. I actually don't know how to do that if I'm following the rules of character creation. Um, and I sort of stumbled on that by acting. Um, and I would encourage everyone to, you know, when you're creating yeah. your first character, just just go for it. Just try something and see how it works. You'll probably still have fun. And I think it will help you realize that you don't need to worry. You don't need to sweat the small stuff. Except if you do like what I did, my, my the accident... Well, it's not an accident. The the oversight that I regret the most is not fully understanding how much constitution not being a really good stat is going to affect somebody that puts themselves out there to try and protect everybody else does because it affects your hit points and it affects a whole mm-hmm. bunch of things. And that character was um, Cora and she was a cleric and she protected everybody. She's, you know, my mama bear side. And she also as a cleric needed to make concentration saves a lot and that would again be your constitution and so it while giving me interesting ways to try and figure out how to work around the mistake or i don't even want to call it a mistake but what the circumstance of what had happened um sometimes it also left me a little frustrated like no matter how good my idea was it was just never working because of that but yeah flaws in terms of character creation as long as you do don't do something silly like make con your dumb stat (laughs) um i think can be can be really fun um and right like you said jason min maxing sometimes just leads you to go read a book if you want like here's the hero and they're always the hero and they do everything good and perfect and all the time the hero protection like main character Mm -hmm. bubble of nothing can go wrong for this character even when it goes wrong it's not it's not gone wrong yeah Yeah, i found it so linear and so like uh boring to to listen to and play like when i run games for you guys i intentionally put in scenarios which you can't overcome just by plowing through it straightforward so when Mm -hmm. i knew fred lee's character had a high AC, I started putting in creatures in there that required roles instead. So mm-hmm. it, it led to different situations where you had to really think about what you're doing and utilize the other characters. So I think part of it is on the DM side to recognize the strengths or weaknesses of the characters sure. in the in the game and play to those advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. Let's just quick talk about the DM side of uh establishing i guess uh the the rules behind character creation so how you choose as a dm to have your players either roll for stats use the standard array use point by what is it that you prefer as a dm is it situational for you or do you just is there a reason you like what you like 
How do you um, how do you go about that? Do you, do you want to go on this firstly? As a, as yeah, a, I can do. Yeah, yeah, I so I usually prefer rolling for stats just because I like the randomness and it can it can give you something like a, a difference from point by or standard array, um, mm -hmm. and for maybe force you to have a flawed character. Mm -hmm. um, but as I've sort of played more, I realize that in a group it can have a big difference so you can have one mm -hmm. character who is extremely good at everything and another character who's just average at everything and then yep. it makes that character feel sort of left out or underwhelming even though like they might do some really good things and they're good in situations it sort of it doesn't feel like it's a nice balance for the group as a whole sure i don't know how the players feel that's something I'd have to talk I, about with them. Yeah, I would but... agree with, with Lee there. That, uh, the Roland yep. intrigued me at first as a DN, especially as a player. Go, oh, I want to really get high stats and stuff. But as the, yep. the longer you've been playing, it comes more about the story we're telling together. And when one character is elevated because of the rolled stats, it, it seems to detract mm. from other people. So that's why I go for punk by these days. Unless there's a system I find that is you have to have so many high above like a 15 and then so many low below a 12. Um, yeah. And that is rolled. So you still get the excitement of discovering what you're going to get. Um, but mm -hmm. also it's still structured in a way that does balance out those things. Yeah. Uh, which is why I, I lean towards more point five for newer players, just so they can drop them in. They're not worrying too much about having to roll and understand the dice yep. as well. You just go, here's this. It's like a video game. You pick what you want to be good at and what you want to be bad at. And there's no leeway. Mm -hmm. Here's the barriers. You have to choose. And it just limits those options of trying to, to customize it fully to be compatible with, with the scenarios that you're going to be faced with. Oh, yeah, also makes it a lot easier on the DM side for balancing encounters. Yes. When you know, yeah. these, these are like the most their stats are going to be rather than... Right. Because if you have that big gap, you've got to worry about, well, yeah, that player might be able to take a hit, yeah. but if he gets touched by this thing, he's turning to dust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've got to be challenging yeah. enough for, for that player, but also not demolish the, the rest yeah. of the party. It. It, right, it, right, right. It helps with the, the encounter building for sure. Um, but I think it depends on the DM as well. I, I very much like overcoming a situation against all odds i want you guys to be the underdog in every situation and come out the hero <laughs> at the end um if you're going in and just like a group of goblins just doesn't phase you at level one because you've you've been maxed uh it feels less like you de you're deserving of those final epic moments i want you to guys to actually feel like it was really hard work to get to the point at the end of the campaign rather than breezing all the way through it and i think rolled stats right. really helps with that um because you can control those situations a little bit more from the dm's perspective sure now joe as a as a newer player and a newer dm what is your take on that so i have a a short response and a slightly longer response mm -hmm. so i feel like for for newer players because i've run a couple of uh one shots and i've tried to encourage new players as a new dm as well I personally feel that uh, standard array is the simplest way for new players to get in. Mm -hmm. And when I'm running a one shot that I know new players are going to be in, that's what I'll encourage them to use because then they don't even need to know about 
when I first started and I was done, I was told to do point by, I changed my numbers and saw that then the the uh, modifier was changed, yep. but it wasn't always changed linearly with the numbers that I was changing. And mm-hmm. I spent ages sitting there changing the numbers, trying to like work out what was, am I going to make a mistake if I make, like choose one extra in this one? rather than two extra to make the modifier. Yep, yep. Whereas standard array is just like, hey, pick, what do you want to be better at? Yeah. Um, from from that and what do you want to be worse at? And just just essentially rank your your skills. Um, though I will say, um, I had this idea recently that I would love to try out, and I'm sure it's been done a million times before, but of using rolled stats um, and I feel like D&D Beyond has this the wrong way around. When you go through D&D Beyond, you start off with choosing your name and where your source material is, and then you mm-hmm. choose. It's very linear because it goes from page to page. Um, and I would love to roll my stats and then choose my character based on what stats I get, mm-hmm. which you can obviously do, but D&D Beyond makes it seem like that's the wrong way around right, right, right. doing it. Just skip it, ahead. It takes to... you through, choose your race and choose your uh, type first and then do your stats and yeah i would love to have new players and be like hey roll your stats right now choose your what kind of what kind of character you want to be based on those stats yeah um and give them the advice and opportunity to discuss what what their stats would be good for because in that scenario even if you get bad roles there are still classes that could work really well for what you did get sure i think also it's uh just as an aside, because it popped into my brain when you are originally kind of establishing a character, I think it's important to understand where kind of those those half stats go, right? Um, so the way it works is your modifier applies to two numbers. And so the lower of the two numbers is going to be the same as that higher of the two numbers, right? So if you have a character that you know is going to level up at any point, right? It's going to be different than if I have a one-shot character that I know is always going to stay at these specific stats. Because what I fail to realize until, and that's, an I think, an experience thing, is that sometimes you want to set yourself up when you have your stats that you've originally either rolled or allocated, however, um, to pre-plan for that level up. Am I going to take a half feet? Am I going to bump this up with one here and one here to increase the stats on both of those? Um, and like I said, that took me a, a bit to kind of get a hold of, and sometimes I still flub it, but you know, that's, that's how it goes. Fantastic. Um, just, I think kind of in closing, is there anything else, any final thoughts you guys have on character creation? Just pick a warlock. Okay, buddy. <laughs> just, just do that. I'd advise people to ignore uh, what people say about certain classes and races. Just go with what you want. If you want to play a tiefling sorcerer, the bread and butter of our character creation these days, do it. Because yeah. if it gets you into the game and you enjoy doing it, do it. And uh, any good DM, if there's a whole party of tiefling sorcerers or warlocks or whatever, will will change the campaign and the game to yeah. suit that scenario um so don't worry also about what other players are playing just play what you want to play and what you feel like you're going to get the most enjoyment out in these case that's going to be a warlock and <laughs> lee should absolutely mm-hmm. be playing the warlock and the class he wants i mean where where else in any other game do you let outside influences 
influence what you're going to play in the game that you play at home in terms of video games and stuff. You, you don't mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, you just choose what you think is going to be the most fun for the game, and D&D should be approached the same way as, as any yep. other game. Fair enough. And because Joe mentioned it, and I'm the same way, we like to wait for everybody else to pick what they want to be, and then we <laughs> we fill in. And if that makes you happy, that's great, because sometimes that does make me happy, feeling like I am there to yeah. support and enhance the rest of the party. Um, and that's me and my personality, right? And it's generally like, hey, what do you want to watch? It's okay. You pick what you want to watch, and I'll just be here and experience that with you. Um, but I do constantly give completely contradictory advice to everybody else. No, no, no. You play what you want. <laughs> you don't wait for anybody else. You play what you want to play because ultimately this game should not be about you begrudgingly coming to the table with a character that you felt like you were obligated to play to fill some sort of role in the party. You want to be who you want to be and you can take that character that is a tiefling sorcerer and make it different from all of the other tiefling sorcerers or it can be as aligned as you want it to be but ultimately it is your character that you are going to potentially in a campaign sometimes play years and years with that character so you you do really want to have some sort of it can be an investment and and just on that note when you guys think about characters is an open question to you all are you thinking about them in terms of role play or is in terms of combat or a mixture of the both when you make your characters because mm-hmm. that, that's a question I always have to deal with with is this campaign and is it do I want to be getting the most of this character within the role play depending on who I'm with or, for, or do I want to perform well in combat how, how do you guys approach those that kind of mental dilemma I I really like a, a mix of both I I don't want to be utterly useless at combat, but if I had to choose between the two, I'd I'd be more roleplay focused because I think that's where you you have the most fun and you can invest more. That makes my like heart combat. so happy. <laughs> combat, <laughs> combat, just it, you know, it's it's there, it happens, and it's over in a flash. But I've noticed a lot of players like to spend a lot of time roleplaying, so that's that's to me where it's where it's at, what it's about. Yeah. What about you, Joe? You, you, yeah, I'd you, agree. Yeah, you're on the, on the same page. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I, I think I, I sweat the small stuff, and I worry about, uh, you know, my character being useful and being being proactive in in encounters and so on. But actually, when it comes down to it, that always plays second fiddle to. Yeah, but I really want him to, you know, be mm-hmm. this little halfling who's got <laughs> yeah. zero confidence and is really innocent, and he's just crazy for it and runs in regardless. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's that's far more fun. In the end, that is always more fun than yeah, I'm gonna get a fourth attack and I'm gonna get crits every time and yeah. everything's gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Just Yeah. Yeah. I think that that wears thin very quickly. RP doesn't. Yeah. And I, I think that it might be a product of the the environments that we specifically play in too. Um I think we, the four of us, find ourselves more in role play heavy territory. So I I personally will pick role play all the time, but I do things like um, make my charisma my dump stat on purpose. So when I interact with people, no matter how well the words are flowing out of my mouth and how convincing they are, ultimately, if it comes down to that dice roll, sometimes it's still going to screw me over. And I do that intentionally to kind of hamstring myself and then try and find ways to work around it because I, I don't 
always want to be the most convincing person in the party. I don't always want to be, and and because of who I am and how excited I get, I like to talk a lot. And so I generally wind up going forward. And even if I'm the brash one, she might still go and try and be the face. And I don't want her to always be successful or whoever I'm playing. I don't always want them to be successful because of whatever reasons I've established in my backstory. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, while it can be frustrating to not feel effective in combat, like last night, <laughs> um, I don't think I got on the the roper that we were fighting. I didn't land a single shot and it was frustrating, but sometimes that happens too. Um, and by and large in the games that I play, I think we play, we are encountering combat far less than we are role-playing. So I will always generally kind Favor of stack towards the role-play side of it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, thanks for the answers. I was in just like curious to how you guys approach yeah. that situation because it's always big for me. I'm I'm very much a support role in combat with mo the majority mm -hmm. of my characters, um, which allows me to be a little bit more creative in the role play side of it. the The combat side of it is less of an interest because even while in combat, I like to describe what's happening and I like to have a whole role play scenario yeah. and and set the scene even as a player so the combat i usually go with spells and stuff that i can describe or situations or flavor mm -hmm. that i can put out there to continue the role play into combat so it's not just i hit or i shoot or i attack uh, yeah so yeah i really love that and i i know that that Joe and I have talked about you specifically and your noises and <laughs> <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Flavor is is a lot and it's a it's a great way to make those people who maybe are less confident in the combat side to have more fun because they bring the role play aspect of it and and who their character is into the combat instead of just oh I Say the warlock. Say the, say the say warlock. The warlock. <laughs> say, the, say the line, warlock. I, I Eldritch. I, <laughs> say the warlock. It is a warline. I, I shoot Eldritch blast. You you describe exactly what that looks like, um, and exactly how it comes out of your body. And maybe it's not. Hey, I shoot Eldritch blast. Like I renamed it to Viper Strike or um, Unicorn Stampede. Whatever it is. Um, I think that's yeah. a, a fun little way and, to and I think kind that of lead the two together. Sets a, a, a good topic for how do we like to play our characters for a different yeah. thing as, as well as the, after the creation but how a dm approaches situations like that as well yeah. uh, will be great topics also to talk about with each of you with the different varies of um experience here and from the different point of views from each of you as players yeah. and, and dm i think that would be yeah i like that great chat yeah it does sound great so we'll put that on the list of things to talk about. If any of you listening have any ideas of things that you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Um, at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong way to go about creating your character. As long as you follow the guidelines the DM has set out for you and you have fun with it, no matter what your stats are, you still have the ability to create a backstory that explains any quirks that may have uh, cropped up along the way. Um, and you always have the ability to make the character your own, regardless if somebody else has the exact same character, race, class, stats, whatever. So I just want to thank all of you for giving us a little of the insight on your process and character creation. 
if anybody is interested in a character creation kind of workshop, I know I love creating characters. It takes me forever and ever and ever, but I'm, I'm generally much better if I'm creating a character <laughs> for somebody else. So if it's something that anybody is interested in, reach out to us. I think we've all kind of puttered around with the idea from time to time. Um, and if anybody's interested, we'd love to help you. But um, thanks for joining us today. It's been really fun. We want to thank everybody for joining in and listening. And remember, if you can't be cool, be wicked. Until next time. See ya. Thanks, Kristen. Bye. Wherever you found us today, don't forget to like and subscribe for more great content. And if you want to find out more about what we do, how to support us, pick up some merch and find links to our friends like JB Media, visit us at wickedcoolkids.co.uk.